back to One Nail at a Time, Insights for Building Your Patient's Medical Home. I'm Lori. And I'm Michelle. And we're with the Alberta Medical Association. So today's topic is access. Yes. And it's interesting because we talk a lot about uh, the importance of continuity and, you know, that statistic, that, that really compelling piece of information that patients who see their own family physician more than 80% of the time have a reduced mortality rate of 50%. That's right. And you cannot have good continuity without yeah, having without access. Access. If you can't see that physician, it's all for naught. And access is important to every patient on the panel, whether it's a healthy young adult who mm -hmm. has an acute uh, condition where they need to be seen, or it's an individual with a chronic condition and they just need that regular access, they need to be seen once a month or every three months, or uh, a patient has just been in hospital or the emergency room and has been discharged and needs to come in and, and do that follow-up in family practice, there's no patient that access doesn't impact. Absolutely. And this may be our sauciest podcast yet, Laurie, because there's a lot of talk of TNA. <laughs> doesn't get old, does it? What yeah. I've actually found about this podcast is it's very, very practical. Um, Dr. Craig talks about what you can simply do to measure mm -hmm. and what you can do to make those improvements. And access is about incremental improvements. It's not about going in and doing one big sweeping change. No. It's about making a lot of small changes in your practice that add up to a really big impact um, to access and to your patients. Absolutely. So Dr. Craig is going to talk about several of those and we'll include them in the show notes. And so this should be a really practical way for teams to get started on improving their access. Let's take a listen. Dr. Janet Craig, thank you for joining us today. Um, and we're, we're really um, interested to talk to you about the access aspect of patient's medical home. But before we dive into that, we'll just get you to tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Sure. Um, so I'm Dr. Janet Craig, family physician here in Edmonton, um, and been at the Glenora Medical Clinic for 28 years now. And I uh, am a fee-for-service physician, and I uh, provide comprehensive care for all types of problems for all ages for my patients. Great. And lately in the province, we've been talking a lot about continuity of care and the importance of providing um, that service to patients, but it doesn't take long once people start looking at their continuity to realize how inextricably tied to access that is. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So it's important that your patients can see you when they need to see you because if they can't phone and get an appointment when they need one, they're going to go elsewhere and that's costly to the system. It's also poor care because other, if they go to a walk-in clinic or to emergency, they may not be as, uh, their situation may not be as well known to those people mm. and uh, they may not get uh, the appropriate care. So it's important that you be able to provide appointments to your patients when they want them for whatever problem they have. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of common sense. It's great to see your own patients, but if they can't get in to see you, then that's going to be difficult. So what, what can the average family practice do? Is it a huge, huge undertaking to improve your access? Or what, what do clinics typically do? 
Well, first of all, you have to look at, can you give your patients appointments when they want them? So one way to look at that is a measure that we call the third next available. So you look at your schedule and you find your third next open slot on your schedule that you don't have any um, rules about or certain situations that the patient has to meet. So some people are booking very far out, but they keep a few slots every day for emergencies. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is often you don't have enough slots for emergencies and people that don't fit the criteria to be seen in those emergency slots are waiting two, three, four weeks to be seen. And what wasn't an urgent problem can become an urgent problem in that time. So that TNA is 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 a snapshot of, of can you see a patient for any problem and when can you see them for that? I know, Brad, I'm sure you've got lots of questions. I'm just, before we go there, I just want to, uh, I'm sure some people are wondering, why third next? Why not just next available appointment? Right. Well, sometimes you have a cancellation. So your first next available is same day, Mm -hmm. but your third next available is in three weeks. So third next available is a measure of when there's some open space in your schedule. It's a truer measure of that. Okay. All right. So so it sounds like you're saying one of the first steps is just the measure where you're at in terms of your access and third next available, something that I know you guys have used a long time in other places in the province or beginning to use more and more. Um, you know, what do you do if you do that measure, you know, and it's and it's pretty bad? You know, <laughs> what, what if it is three or four weeks? Um, are there some starting places or starting points where a clinic can start to say, you know, what's going on here and you know, is there anything we can do about it? Right. Well, so you need to look at, at your third next available, but you can't look at just one measure. You need to look at it a little bit over time because you might have a high third next available because you're either on vacation or just got back from vacation, but maybe that will come down quite quickly. Or has your third next available been 30 days for the past year? Then, you know, you have to look at other things. So one of the things that you need to look at with your third next available is do you have enough appointment slots for the patients that you see? Um, the patients that you see, the, the term that we often use for that is panel. So your, mm-hmm. your panel patients, your patients that regard you as their uh, primary care physician. And providing access to them is a balance between how many patients you have how many times they see you in a year, how many patients you can see in a day, and how many days you work in a year. So you got to balance all those out. And if your panel size and how many times they see you in a year is more than your capacity to see them, then you have to make some changes. Now, a lot of times people say, wait, 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 you're telling me to fire patients. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying let's look at everything. So can you reduce the number of times a patient comes in a year, for instance? If you see a patient and they say, oh, and I need this or I need that, can you deal with it at that visit rather than having them come back for another visit? Um, Can you 
juggle your your number of patients you see in a day? Can you see an extra one or two in a day? Can some of your staff do tasks for you so that you have more time to see patients? We're not asking physicians to work harder. We're asking them really to work smarter and use their time better. Yeah, time and team and EMR. Absolutely. (laughs) What about prescriptions? So what I like to do is when I see my patients, I like to give them enough prescriptions and I'll look at everything and until I need to see them again. Hmm. And is it safe to give a patient enough prescription for a year? Well, I would argue yes, if it's a, a stable chronic illness and it hasn't changed recently, then give them a prescription for a year. So give them three months with refills or however you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll have enough for a year. If uh, a patient has started on a new drug and you feel they need to be seen in a month or two months for review, well, then that's totally appropriate too. So you talked about some strategies, um, maximizing the work done at the visit when they're there to try and save future visits, uh, offloading tasks that maybe traditionally would have been done by the physician and using your your team or your nursing staff or your reception staff to help you out, Um, looking at extended intervals for prescription refills. So those are some easy kind of tips and tricks that might help improve your access. One thing you talked about was that trying to calculate, do I have enough capacity or space to look after my panel? Um, where do you get the information around how many times a patient actually visits you in a year? And you know, where do you get information on how to do that calculation around uh, how many patients is right for the amount that I work in a year? Right. We call that the return visit rate. How many patients, on average, how many times per year did your patients see you in that year? A lot of the electronic medical records or EMRs uh, can calculate that for you and it's um, in your statistics or, or in your measures somewhere in your EMR. If you're not using an EMR or if your EMR can't calculate it for you, Um, you might be able to get that data from um, the Health Quality Council report Mm -hmm. or uh, perhaps Alberta Health data. So there are ways to get it. Even for um, clinics that are using paper charts, there are other ways that that data can be retrieved. This is something that a lot of the primary care networks have personnel that will help you with some of your panel management and your access. So looking at your capacity and looking at what is your ideal panel size compared to what is your actual panel size is something that you might want to seek some help from a a primary care facilitator or uh, if you don't have those resources available, uh, the Alberta Medical Association has some help available as well. Right, Michelle? We're always here to help. That's, that's really um, interesting, and, and what we'll do is in the show notes, uh, along with this recording of this podcast, we'll include um, some information on how to calculate your panel size and figure out what you need to, to balance your panel. Um, and I think it's important you mentioned that it's not about, if you find out you are over-paneled, it's not about firing those patients, it's, it's about working smarter while through attrition, perhaps um, as patients drop off naturally over time the panel size may come down or 
maybe you just adjust what you do to work with the panel size that you've already got. So you've mentioned a couple really uh, simple strategies, it sounds like. Um, are there other strategies that you use in your practice to, to keep your access balanced? One thing that's made a huge difference for me is called uh, post-vacation scheduling. Mm. And the, the caveat is this is only going to work if you start off with a, a panel that's about the right size for how much you work. And as well, if you're able to see your patients um, before you start on holiday, so you don't have a big backlog before you go on holiday. But here's what you do. So let's say I'm going to uh, sunny Mexico for two weeks. So I book those two weeks off in my schedule as well. Ahead of time, I book uh, the week upon return off and I don't book any patients in that week after I return to work until the day I leave for Mexico that week gets opened up and and then so while I'm away and patients are phoning and wanting to see me my staff has a place to put patients and uh, maybe half the, the, the supply is opened up and then on the day that I return the other half is, is opened up so I'm saving some space in the future for when I know I'm going to need it. But for this strategy to work, you really have to be caught up before you go. Hmm. That's really interesting. Do you think it might, it sounds maybe a little scary (laughs) to leave unfilled appointments, but what is your experience then? If you know your numbers and how many patients you phone in every day, you're not going to have unbooked slots, especially after returning from a vacation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things that I hear people um, say or worry about is, you know, if I work my third mix available down and I have really good access and open slots, um, you know, am I going to be sitting with nothing to do? And that's going to affect my my income in a fee-for-service world. So, um, you know, what's been your experience with that? Well, it's true. There is some variability. So everyone probably has some quieter and busier days. For myself, Mondays and Fridays are very busy. And uh, the middle days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not so much. So what we try and do is move some routine appointments to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and leave more room on Monday and Friday for the higher demand. Some retired patients are able to come anytime so you can direct them okay can you come Tuesday at 11 or can you come Wednesday at two o'clock or whatever so you can direct them into those spots that you know are less busy so that that helps quite a bit the other thing is because there's variability there are going to be some days that not all your slots fill up and then there's other days that you're going to have to add a few slots I practice a little bit of what I call flexible scheduling at the end of the day. I, I There's a certain time that I like to, to be done seeing patients, but if patients phone and they need to be seen, I can see an extra one or two every day. And some days I need to and some days I don't. But I can argue that even if your schedule is booked solid, you know, you get a snow day or mm-hmm. something like that, you still have cancellations and you there's still days that you're not full even if you're booked way ahead so there's always going to be some variability it's 
it's never going to be that you can see a, an you know 20 patients every monday tuesday it just doesn't work that way there has to be a little bit of give and go but i think overall it, it works out in the end some days you work a little harder some days you finish off a little earlier that's the way it goes so it sounds like you're really using your your scheduling and your front end staff or your schedulers um, to really try and and make those days as even as can be but you've also put some things in place to deal with the little bit of variation that comes throughout a week or throughout a month so that um, you can accommodate uh, the the kind of requirements for appointments on a daily basis um, but also not get behind in terms of your access so the scheduler becomes obviously really important and I know there is going to be some you know, materials coming out mm-hmm. for physicians in Alberta, um, tips and tricks around how you might do some of this scheduling in the next mm-hmm. six months or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also curious about um, what what we call truth in scheduling. Um, right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. There's a lot of doctors that are always running an hour behind by mm-hmm. lunchtime and an hour behind by say three four o'clock. And the patients will ask why, because we'll hear this complaint from uh, patients, you know, why do I always wait an hour to see my doctor or two hours and always. Mm-hmm. And the doctors will always say, well, I, I spend extra time with my patients or I, I, I let extra patients be seen. But I would argue that you should be able to, you know, finish your morning within 15 minutes of your planned stop time about 80% of the time and if you're not then probably you're not scheduling enough time in your appointments Mm -hmm. so what you can do is is you can measure your appointment lengths your your red zone or your time that you spend with a patient and if you're booking a short visit in 10 minutes but you're on average spending uh, 13 minutes with a patient well that's not going to work you're always going to be behind as the morning or afternoon progresses um, so maybe you need to move to 15 minute appointments to make up for that and then it might give you a little bit of flex to, to squeeze an extra quick one in if you need to so physicians that are always behind I'd argue that they're not scheduling time-wise appropriately. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure patients, of course, would appreciate, because uh, patients are smart, of course, and they learn, well, they're always an hour behind, so I know my appointment's at 10, but I'm not going to show up till quarter to 11. Um, so, you know, patients learn. But, so it would be nice for patients to know that their appointment time is at their appointment time, but I'm sure psychologically for the provider, knowing my day is supposed to end at 4, and I actually get out typically for 4, 15, that must also feel good. I think so. I, I, you know, a lot of physicians have commitments after their day finishes, uh, you know, picking up kids or taking Mm -hmm. kids to after school activities and, and it's important to get out of the office and ideally with the paperwork done. So, yeah. So thinking, um, we've been talking a little bit about patients and patient experience and I know you've worked here a long time on improving access and I know you've helped other clinics work and improving access to Janet. So tell me a little bit about um, what access means to a patient. Why is it important from a patient perspective? From a patient perspective, it means being able to get an appointment when they want. 
And, and that doesn't always mean same day. So some patients are very sick. They have a very bad sore throat and they think they have strep or they have um, frequency and they think they have a bladder infection. They want to be seen the same day. But lots of my patients don't want to be seen the same day. They want to be seen on their next day off in two weeks or they want to bring their kid in on a professional development day in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's it's about um, allowing them to book for when they want, be it today or be it in two weeks or be it in a month. Well, at the end of our interviews, we always ask our, our subject matter expert, if you were giving some advice to a clinic team who is just starting to think about access, what would your best piece of advice be for them? If they haven't done any work on access so far, start with your third next available to see where you're at. And um, maybe also ask your patients, are you, are you happy with how quickly you can get an appointment at this clinic and find out what they're saying? Yeah. So measure and figure it out and then uh, kind of verify with your patients whether it's a concern for them or not. And then, you know, as we've talked about throughout the podcast, there are multiple small little things that you can do to take one step that might uh, might make access better for patients. So uh, thank you very much, Shanna, for your time this morning. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Check out the show notes for links to the tools, resources, and websites that were referenced in this podcast. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, tell us what you thought, and what you'd like to hear more about. And until next time, grab your hammer and keep building one nail at a time.